Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Twice a week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. In this episode, Jerry and I cover how Pope Francis and other Vatican leaders are making a concerted effort to draw people's attention to the major ethical questions arising from this pandemic, especially how to protect the most vulnerable amid economic instability. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome. Springtime seems to have come here. How's it going over there? Well, there are signs of hope for the first time, really. Uh, Yesterday, we had a significant drop in the new cases. And then the other good thing that's a positive sign is that more than 14,000 people have been cured and come out of hospital. That's very significant. Because it means that the hospitals are getting, uh, beginning to see the results of their efforts. The death toll, of course, sadly, is we're still the number one in the world in terms of deaths. But uh, the other two signs are giving people hope. Right. And, you know, that that feels like a good sign to me over here, too, because, you know, we're we're a few weeks behind Italy now. Um, in terms of what's happening in New York, but it's starting to look here the way that things looked for you a few weeks ago, which is, you know, my usually very bustling neighborhood is getting very quiet. All we hear is sirens and church bells now. I'm starting to know a, a few people who are infected. Um, so it's it's good to hear that new cases are going down. It, it gives more of a sense that, you know, there might be an end to this curve and when, when that end might come. Yeah, on the other hand, the um, authorities are saying that uh, They had originally planned to lift the lockdown on the 3rd of April. They're now saying it will be after Easter. Some saying it may be the beginning of May because they say we can take no chances here. Uh, The virus is invisible and many people are asymptomatic. They don't have symptoms. Right. And so we're not sure that they have, in fact, identified all the population that is, has the been infected by the virus. So they're, they're moving with great caution, but they're saying positive signs. Good. All right. Um, so let's get into our first story. So um, as this pandemic has heated up around the world, Pope Francis has been speaking out about how governments need to put people before their economic interests. Um, and we saw this strongly this week in a letter that Pope Francis wrote to Judge Roberto Andres Gallardo, who he's met several times. He's uh, Argentinian-born. He's the president of the Pan-American Committee of Men and Women Judges for Social Rights. Um, now, Jerry, you've, you've seen a copy of this handwritten letter from the Pope. Um, what, what were the main points he made? Well, first of all, he said that uh, we're all concerned, he said, with the growth, the progressive geometric progression of the pandemic. But he says he, he was very edified with the way people were reacting. Ordinary people, everybody's reacting, and especially he was edified by the reaction of the doctors, the nurses, etc., and also the priests who were putting their own line on, uh, the volunteers were putting their own lives on the line. And he said he was also impressed by governments who have taken measures, which he called exemplary 
to defend people. And he's talking about the social isolation and the lockdown. And he's saying, really, he said, yes, it's true that some people are not very happy with this, but the vast majority understand it's for their own good. Yeah, he really emphasized this point about the importance of the common good and also saying that putting in place these measures that, you know, are keeping people at home, you know, it's it's tough for the economy and we're having to deal with those uh, concerns, but it's it's protecting public health. And he, he thinks that that should be the priority. Yes, he's basically said, put people first, mm-hmm. not the economy. He, he realizes very well, and he's spoken many times about it, that this pandemic producing lockdown in countries is affecting economy. And we see it here in Italy. We see that the government has to intervene to give money to people who do not have enough money to buy food. Because many people, and I think the same is true in the States, are on this type of work that's short-term, that's without social guarantees, without health insurance. In fact, I was thinking, uh, reflecting on what the Pope has written and what he said in the past, he said, this economy kills because it protects a certain level of people. But there's a whole lot of precarious people in the system which make the system work. But when something like this happens, they are totally unprotected. Right. Now, um, this, you know, the, the examples that you just cited, um, those are kind of counterexamples to this thing that Francis also pushed against in this letter, which is um, he he really wanted to challenge people, too, who who propose kind of letting letting the world run its course and just isolating the, the at risk populations. Could you talk a little about that? Yes. Uh, so some have proposed also in, in the United States that let's just protect the, let's say, over 65, over 70, you, you, you put the age bracket, but the elderly generation who are the most vulnerable to this virus, let's protect them. Let's put them away maybe three weeks, six weeks. In England, they're talking about three months. Uh, and let's get the rest back to work. Yes, there will be casualties, but we'll get the economy going. And so uh, a collapsed economy would create terrible damage and also lead to loss of life. So let's prevent a, a crash from happening in the economy. But uh, for Francis is not at all very uh, enamored with this idea. He, he thinks that you've got to protect people. And it's coming very clear. He says, we now have to look at what's happening now. And so measures have to be taken. And we've got to think ahead what happens afterwards. And that's what he said in the letter to the judge. And he said he was doing this together with the Vatican Office for Integral Human Development. That's the Vatican Office headed by Cardinal Turkson. He said, we've been talking about this because the Pope is watching what's happening now, very concerned, but also very concerned by tomorrow. Right. Um, You know, also, I want to highlight that he's He's been really speaking out strongly, I mean, for this entire pandemic, but again this week um, about, you know, the groups of people who are at the highest risk of, uh, of being hurt by this, this pandemic. Um, that's economically, that's, that's in all kinds of ways where all this intersects. Um, he spoke in his Sunday homily this week about all these people who, you know, the, 
the gospel was Jesus weeping at the death of Lazarus. He spoke about all the people who also have reason to weep. Um, he elaborated on this in his his Sunday Angelus. He called for a global ceasefire to all armed conflicts around the world. And he also called on governments to, uh, he said, avoid tragedies that could arise in places like prisons, military barracks, elderly homes, places where people live close together. Yes, he's touched two very important points. First of all, you have many conflicts going on in the world. The United Nations Agency for Humanitarian Affairs calculated that in 2019, that's just some months ago, and so presumably still continuing, you had 41 active conflicts. Mm -hmm. You have it in Syria, you have it in Libya, you have it in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, you have it in many places. These conflicts, often within the country, but also involving the big powers, many situations, who are selling arms, making money, while these people are dying or forced to leave their homes, forced uh, to become displaced persons in their own countries or to become refugees. And now in this present situation, in the pandemic, the coronavirus, nobody wants anybody to cross the borders. So these people are trapped and some are being detained. Right. And the Secretary General of the UN also called for this global ceasefire, right? So Francis joined in that request. Yes, he, he, he associated himself with it. But Francis, remember the talk he gave way back in, in Hiroshima and in Nagasaki? He spoke about how we're spending so much money on arms, so much money, which could go into human resources, to health, education, and now we see the situation. We have spent more money in European countries, in the United States, but also in Russia, in China, so much more money building arms than in providing solid health structures and security for people who are working in countries. And this is what the Pope is really driving at. Can we stop wars, please? Could we stop producing weapons, please? Now we, we realize we don't have enough masks when there are more than enough bullets. Jerry, that brings us right into our next story, which is that Pope Francis wasn't the only person in Rome who was preaching about um, these issues on Sunday. Filipino Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle, who is president of Caritas International and who also recently moved to Rome from the Philippines to fill his new role as prefect for the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples, also uh, made some bold calls in his Sunday homily. Can you tell us about those? Yes, he, he called first of all for, of course, the, the end of the conflicts, but he also called for uh, the forgiving of the debts of poor countries. There are many countries which are deep in debt before the crisis. With the pandemic, they will be destroyed. Way back, you remember in the year 2000, John Paul II supported very strongly the question of forgiving of the debt of the poorest countries. And it happened in some cases. More recently, you remember, we talked about it in the program, Francis uh, supported this call when he met 
some of the economists at the Vatican, including the president of Argentina, who was hoping to get some relief from the death of Argentina. Because if these countries don't pay their foreign debt, then they don't get credit. So when you're in a situation where you can't make money, as they will now be many of them, how can they get credit and how can the country function? So it's a very big question, and Cardinal Tagli, president of Caritas International also, knows very well this question, also from the Philippines. And he's gone around the world and he's seen the the dramatic situation in, in some countries, like Malawi, I, I could name so many of them. Uh, and it's very important, it's one of the big issues that needs to be addressed today. And it's causing death, death, the death of many, many people. It's causing infant mortality. It's causing people to die earlier than they would in, in countries which have some reasonable economy. Right. The other thing that he called for was, um, this is what we heard in the, the audio clip, uh, he called for the redirection of military spending towards social needs, right? Absolutely. And this is in, absolutely in harmony with the church's teaching for many, many years. But people, the social doctrine of the church has consistently said, let us stop investing in the arms race, in investing in arms, and let us use the, those resources, human and financial resources, for the building of the society, the strength of society. But some of the big countries, including the United States, has been very insistent on continuing investing in the arms industry because it brings a lot of profits to some people but it brings death to other people. And this is what Cardinal Tagli is saying. If we invested, he, I think he cited the example of a fighter plane. Mm -hmm. He said if the money that was invested in the fighter plane was being used to buy ventilators and other equipment to stop this virus, we would be in, in much better shape. I mean, now, President Trump recently, I think, has called on General Motors to start producing ventilators. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would be a good thing if he, if they also called on on the arms industry to to invest some of the the, the money th there. Right, and it, it wasn't just social needs that he that Tagle called for investment in. You know, he also or it wasn't just these uh, medical needs. Um, he also called for investment in education, housing, food, these things that keeps coming up when we talk about the economy and the coronavirus. Um, these are the needs that are going to last. And it seems like, you know, these Vatican leaders, Francis, Cardinal Tagle, we're going to talk in a minute about the Pontifical Academy for Life, and they have a new document. All of these things are focused on, you know, making sure that this can be a moment of kind of economic conversion. Yes, absolutely. And the Pope's letter to the judge, to the Argentine judge, the president of this committee of women and men and uh, men judges for social rights, he makes very clear that this is a moment to think of the present, but also to think of what we're going to do when the pandemic has ended. Are we going to go back to living our lives as we did before, or are we going to change direction in how we invest in society? Because 
coronavirus is the pandemic of today. There might be another pandemic before the end of this century, equally bad. Are we protected? And then there's also the question of the climate, uh, the crisis being produced by the climate change. And this is what the Pope is saying. This is a key moment in human history. We've all been forced to stop. And now we should think very carefully, what is the brave new world post-pandemic that we wish to build? And these are important choices that have to be made. That brings us right into our next story, which is um, that the Pontifical Academy for Life uh, is also starting to look forward to what comes after the coronavirus. This is they're the body in the Vatican that that's concerned with promoting the consistent ethic of life. So they do biomedical research. They also do um, theology and they work at that intersection of theology and, and bioethics. Um, and they issued a note on Monday, March 30th, about the coronavirus. It, it stressed the importance of solidarity during this crisis. So, um, Jerry, let's let's talk about what, what stood out to you in this document. Well, the first thing that struck me was the, uh, they, they focus on the interconnectedness of all these things, how we're all interconnected and how this becomes so visible in the pandemic. And this is what Pope Francis was talking about in the Laudato Si, in his encyclical he spoke about the interconnectedness of everything. And people still do not perceive this very well. We're beginning, I think, this moment when we're all forced to sit and watch and wait forces us also to ask the serious questions about, first of all, we're dependent on each other. We see now we're dependent on the doctors, we're dependent on the street cleaners, we're dependent on the people who work in the supermarkets, we're dependent on the police force, the military, we're dependent on so many people. We're not living in isolation. This kind of individualism, which has kind of so dominated much of our lives, suddenly falls apart because we are dependent on each other. What the document brings out very clearly, that coronavirus can only be defeated with what it calls the antibodies of solidarity. Mm -hmm. I was quite struck by this phrase because we cannot defeat, any one of us cannot defeat it by ourselves. And so it's only in solidarity, and this is what we're seeing suddenly emerge in society, not from the big power brokers, but from the ordinary individuals, enormous solidarity. And that's what's going to defeat it. And the solidarity of the individual who accepts to stay at home and not go in the streets is part of this antibody to defeat the virus. Right. There was a real sense that, you know, everyone's actions have um, a real effect on others and that there's no action that, that exists in a, a vacuum, right? Um, I also thought it was interesting that, you know, it talked about how in this pandemic we've seen that that sense of interconnectedness kind of thrust upon us, right? It talks about 
de facto interdependence uh, and how we need to replace that with an actual choice, a decision to be in solidarity with each other, which I thought was an interesting distinction to make. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, that there was this emphasis on on the common good and the special concern for poor nations, just like we saw uh, Francis talking about and Cardinal Tagli talking about. Yes, this document, I think, is, should be seen as part of this reflection that is now fortunately going on, and it's linking ethics to the pandemic, ethics to the response to the pandemic. Uh, because we we have to analyze how we are fighting this, and we have to think, where do we want to be tomorrow after the pandemic? And this document, I think, takes us a step towards that. It speaks about a global perspective in, in the health sector, but also in the wider sector. And it speaks about the importance of communication, of explaining well to people where we are and where we're going. Jerry, one thing that also stood out to me was um, that this note is, is really giving some some kind of spiritual or theological responses to the coronavirus as well, which I think is, you know, something that this department can can uniquely offer too. Um, you know, it, it really stressed the importance of uh, not talking about the virus as some kind of like revenge from God on us. Um, it talked about the importance of prayer, both you know, praying for others and and prayer that you know leads us to to a real conversion or transforming our actions. And then it also talked about the importance of not equating health with salvation, which I think was an interesting point. It's not something that I see a lot in our conversations about the coronavirus, but it talked about how you know we see deaths as like a a defeat for science, right? We want science to progress, but we need to hold that concern for scientific progress also with a, a deep concern for the actual people and you know let ourselves grieve let ourselves not lose our connection with that humanity colin really this last point ties in very well with what cardinal tagli said because he said you, you know you can put the biggest premium the highest premium insurance but you you, you can't save yourself right uh, you can have the best medical care but you can't save yourself and he, he says, uh, uh, only Jesus can give life. This was, Tagli is, is, is brilliant in, in, in his ability to communicate, but he, it ties in very well with what the document is saying at the end, that this whole pandemic is revealing that there are other dimensions in life beyond the economic, beyond the medical, uh, it's revealing the importance of the being together in the family or in in uh, even by oneself, and it's enabling people to think without the pressure of having to get to the metro on time or to get to work on time, uh, because people have to live differently, mm -hmm. and uh, this really enables people to reflect on the questions that matter in life. Right. I, and I think it's interesting that in all three of these stories that we've covered today, we're seeing this um, sense of, you know, this virus and this kind of just worldwide shutdown as a, an opportunity for conversion, right? And one of the things that we didn't talk about earlier with Francis's letter, but uh, that really stood out to me was that he cited this 
economist who um, she's a she has dual citizenship with the U.S. and Italy, and she most of her work and especially the book that Francis cited is about rethinking the way that we you know do economics and she's been writing recently in in the light of this pandemic about you know rethinking our systems so that they can be more equitable and more uh just for for the people who are on the margins who as we've talked about are going to be most affected by this pandemic exactly colleen and this links back to the talk he gave on the friday night from the steps of saint peter's where he said this is a time for judgment, not God's judgment, your judgment about the decisions you take. All right, Jerry, that's a great place for us to wrap up. Um, thank you again for the chance to unpack these stories together. I really like that we get to talk a little bit more right now and that we get to be there for our listeners during this. Uh, for our listeners, if you're appreciating the show, if you've learned something, if you want us to keep going, uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. It really helps us get the word out about Inside the Vatican. Thanks. All right, so Jerry, I will talk to you soon. Thanks, and look forward to that, Colleen, and I hope we have more good news from our side and good news from your side too. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at INSDEVaticanPod. That's inside without the second I. You can also find the link in our show notes. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Belly. We'll see you next time.